Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Boosting Your Financial IQ. Today I'm sitting here with Tony Greer. He is the editor of The Morning Navigator, and I'm excited to talk to him about navigating markets because he has a ton of experience over three decades in the space, and there's a lot to uh, uncover here. So Tony, welcome to the podcast. Steve, thanks for having me on, man. I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts. I'm a big fan. Thank you. So let's jump right into it. 30 years experience. How did you get into trading and what's been your experience so far up to this point? Man, I got into trading um, uh, at the dinner table as a kid. You know, my dad had the same seat on Wall Street for 30 years. He traded over the counter stocks at Dean Witter. So stock tickers and bids and offers were literally dinner table conversation from the time I was like, you know, eight, 10 years old. Um, and I understood how like excited my dad was about that job and that he was sort of competitive about it and and had a lot of energy talking about it. And when I got to go in and see him at work, I was like, man, this is wild. This is something that I think I could do, you know, because it wasn't something that was kind of pushing a pen mm-hmm. at a desk. You know, there was the very it was very frenetic back then. It was yelling and screaming and people having fun and a lot of people walking and running around. And I was like, man, this is an atmosphere for me. So I kind of pursued that sort of, you know, kind of under the under the radar through college and things like that. I always had my idea on becoming a trader. And then when I got out of college, I just decided that I was going to pound the pavement and get a job on a trading desk until somebody hired me. And finally, I did. So that's how it got started off. Gotcha. So there, there's quite a, a wide spectrum when it comes to trading. And when I think of the word trader, at least for me, and I'm sure it's similar for a lot of people out there. On one side, it's the Wall Street movie with the trading desk. And like you said, people are yelling and screaming and throwing the football around in, in the room. And, you know, it's just this machismo trading and buying and, and selling and doing all this this stuff. Then on the other end of the spectrum is the guy at home in the gray sweats with mustard spilled on his T-shirt. And he's trying to make a living by trading stocks, but he's actually losing a ton of money while his partner's out, you know, making all the money, supporting the family. So, you know, I know those are two extremes and and biases and stereotypes, but help me, Tony, think through that and help the listeners think through like, what is trading it and what does a trader actually do? And what does that really look like in the real world? Yeah. So that was, I love that, uh, that rundown, Steve, you know, you basically went over the difference between like, you know, an institutional trader at a broker dealer or a bank and, you know, uh, you know, a day tra- struggling day trader, which is both roles of that I occupied. So I was really, you know, you really hit home with that for me. So to, to go into it a little bit, um, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle now, which is kind of cool. So I'll go through that kind of barbell. You know, I started off as an institutional trader where I had a, you know, as that type of trader has a seat at, a, you know, a bank or a broker and you're responsible for a certain sort of asset class and sector of that asset class, be it either for the trading side of it or the sales side of it, which means the sales side is talking to clients out there that are high-level professional institutional clients, fund managers, hedge funds, portfolio managers, wealth managers, things like that. And then the trader is talking to people that are really that have their hands on in the markets like futures brokers and cash brokers in whatever product they may be dealing with, whether they're the gold trader, the dollar yen trader, or the pharmaceutical stock trader, mm-hmm. right? Those are all potential sort of verticals that you could be sitting in as an institutional trader. 
Um, you know, you're getting paid by the bank. You're probably likely, if you're a trader, managing a PL where you're trying to buy and sell your um, security to make money and, and generate profits for the bank or facilitate customer flow that the bank has calling in to buy or sell gold through them. And you kind of, you kind of become the conduit for that. Mm-hmm. So that's the one type of um, institutional trader that's out there. And then I'll segue back to the middle where I am now, which is sort of I have my my eyes and ears plugged into a network of institutions just from my experience and my connections over the years. I talk to institutions like wealth managers, portfolio managers, but I'm also a kind of struggling day trader that sits at home. You know what I mean? And I kind of wear both of those hats. And um, it's been basically my product is a way to, that, I, that I was able to sort of take my skill set and sort of separate it out from working for a bank or a broker and kind of doing similar things on my own. And then, you know, there's the guy, like you said, who may may or may not be working his uh, real job or the job that he would like to be working, but has decided that he can pursue risk in the markets and kind of, you know, show up at the casino every day and try to make a couple bucks. You know, and that that is something that I've done before as well. Um, when I started a trading firm after I left Goldman Sachs, and that was a really, really exciting time in my life. There were some ups and downs, and I wound up folding up that company for a sort of scratch overall. But broadly speaking, that was sort of you know just sitting at a desk, absorbing information, and trading the markets in whichever way you wanted to express risk, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so over the years, my the one sort of regular thing that I've done has always been writing about markets in what I observe in different forms. And that has led me to sort of, I don't want to go too deep into it, but that has led me to sort of follow the markets in a very specific way since I've broken away from working for people and seven years ago, starting my own business and my own publication, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the uh, setup. Okay. So l- let's go back to the basics here. When you're trading, who are you actually trading with? Who who do traders trade with? So uh, I'll go on both levels. On an institutional level, you know, you could be, you know, you you the question you're you're asking is where's your liquidity? Yeah, right. If you're in charge of buying and selling gold, like okay, where who do you buy and sell it to? Which is a great question. So your options are there are usually there is usually an inter dealer market where I can call if I work at Goldman Sachs, I can call up J P Morgan's gold desk. And ask them for a two-way price in gold, a bid and an offer that they will honor. And they'll quote me that price. So that's part of where my liquidity is as an institutional trader. Then there's the futures markets where I can hedge risk as well. If somebody sells gold to me and I want to be flat with no directional risk in gold, I don't have to go and sell cash gold. I can go into the futures markets and sell an equivalent amount of futures contracts. And those trades will sort of bounce, match off each other where I bought physical gold and sold futures against it. And now I have no directional risk if I want to remain you know, neutral in gold. So those are where sort of the counterparties are. A lot of in all markets, in institutional and also the sort of, if you want to call me a retail trader while I'm sitting here at home, which is perfectly reasonable, your liquidity is going to be an electronic, an electronic network. Right. So whether I'm trading a stock on interactive brokers or if I'm a institutional equity execution trader buying and selling stock on the electronic networks from my mutual fund you know those are places where you can go that just shows you know you the bid and offer and you can electronically trade you know by and by logging into that network and system you can electronically trade on that bid and offer price 
And so there's your liquidity right there. Totally anonymous electronic liquidity. Okay. So when we're talking about like buying and selling stocks, somebody can open up an individual brokerage account at Charles Schwab, at public.com, at you know, Robinhood, or there's all these platforms out there, right? So when you're talking about trading, are you talking about the tradings being facilitated on one of these platforms? Or is there a specific platform that most traders use that's distinct and different from what I'm talking about here? Good question. So the platform, as you as you stated, there are a number of platforms. So you can choose what platform you want to be on to access the markets. Mm-hmm. So what you kind of want to think of that platform is you're kind of, if you subscribe to Schwab and you want to be on that platform, what you're saying is that's where my money is. And so that's where I'm going to go and access the markets. Mm-hmm. Right. So I put money in that account and I'm going to go onto their platform and they're going to show me, for example, the montage of and the montage is the just a bid offer spread and the depth of the spread in any given stock or in any given currency cross or in any given commodity. There'll be a bid offer on an electronic market that you can trade on. So, you know, whether you're trading futures, if you have that capability or if you're just trading, you know, sector ETFs, which is equities, right? You can choose what sector you want to choose. And when you kind of call that stock up in your system, it will show you the sort of global bid offer spread on the NASDAQ market or New York Stock Exchange, right? That's the that's the exchange that you're going to be accessing for the liquidity. And it'll show you that market and you decide whether you want to buy or sell on that spread. And so that's where that's who's on the other side. Other people like you and also institutions and all kinds of order flow from around the world. Got it. Okay. Now, from your experience, like I mentioned before, you're the editor of of the Morning Navigator. You provide a lot of great resources and information out there to those who subscribe to your products. So with your experience working with these thousands of people that you've worked with over the years, who's the most successful in what space? Are they investing in equities and commodities in another financial asset class, or is it a combination thereof? What are your thoughts on that? Man, who's successful? You know, if you want to go to the top of the food chain in a market like this and look at the people that generally make money from thin air, you know, you look at some of the big hedge fund managers that are out there, right? Like these these guys are the, you know, kind of behemoths walking around in the markets. Your Paul Tudor Jones, Stan Druckenmiller, sure. um, you know, um, who else can we pick? Um you know, Dan Loeb, Steve Cohn, things like that. And they've, you know, they've all figured out that there's a million ways to skin a cat on Wall Street and and they have all different methods of making money, those types of hedge funds. But they generally are making money by, you know, having experienced traders trade on information and intelligence flow, really mm-hmm. making their decisions and investing in stocks and sectors and and making bets with, you know, the hedge fund managers' money. So those guys are the they're sort of the kings of the, you know, trading industry. If you want to talk about being a trader, and then we can go from there. Yeah, so and they're trading across all financial assets is is basically what you're saying. Financial classes, financial assets, they're in everything. Yeah, those funds that I manage, that those those fund managers that I mentioned. I mean, those guys could be trading, you know, anything from. Uh, the gold position to a dollar yen position in FX markets to a junk bond position to a specific corporate credit. I mean, I, I've seen hedge funds. I've, I've had a look at some of the risks that they have on it. Some of them will have you know several hundred line items in their P and L, 
which is you know just literally participating in every every asset class that moves. Yeah. You know, they have sort of a global view on and are willing to put money at risk in. So it's really, really something that's quite thorough and impressive. Gotcha. Okay. So the, 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 let's talk about a stat that I came across the other day. Um, it said basically that 97% of traders, day traders, they don't make money. They're not profitable. Now, there are some that do make money, right? And, and there's a lot of people out there in the market. So even at 3%, you know, audience is still a, a big audience, but the majority of people don't make money. And why do you think that is? Why do you think people struggle in this space to make money off day trading? You know, becoming a trader sort of card carrying trader where you know somebody's got official experience you know that experience is hard to come by a lot of people with that experience are employing it at an institutional level right where you can trade other people's money and get paid you know uh, on that and not have to put your own capital up right and so that that's where sort of the the high level intelligence flocks to Mm-hmm. In 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 that, you know, it's kind of thing like, you know, it's the kind of thing where if you're, you know, if you're a math genius and you can count cards, you're not going to play at the $5 blackjack table. You're sure. going to play at the $100 table, right? So that's what these guys are doing essentially, right? I would say that if, you know, 97% are unsuccessful, that sounds like a big number, but it's probably close to true. And especially if it's just counting sort of day traders, right? Yeah. And if you're going to take that, if you're going to take, when you say that word to me, you know, that's something that I very much, you know, with with 25 years of experience working on Wall Street, that's something that I separate myself from. Yeah. Right. That that's people that don't have the experience of sitting on a bank's FX desk for five years and Goldman Sachs's, you know, commodity trading desk for six and you know, that kind of thing. So sure. that's a different group of people that are kind of just looking at the world and literally have no idea the reality of what's going on before their eyes. Yeah. You know, they, they probably don't fully understand the ebbs and flows. They probably don't really understand what's driving the markets. Like there's no way that a retail trader is going to sit down in front of a computer and call up the twos, tens treasury spread to see what's, you know, driving markets today. You know what I mean? That's just too sophisticated a level for them to, even know what to do what they did if they had the information. If I told some people what the where the twos tens tra- spread was trading right now, they wouldn't even know what that means. Sure, you know, so like that's that's a level of of sophistication that it takes to to kind of be successful and be in that three percent of traders that are making money, you know, during the day and kind of understanding how you know the market of securities is different from the economy. Yeah, and you know, so the market of securities is driven by flows and sentiment, and the economy. That's something else, you know? So if you want to trade in the markets, understand that you're playing baseball. If you want to have a prediction about the economy, understand you're playing football and mm-hmm. those two do not cross, Sure, you know? So that that's just kind of a, a important thing that I don't think beginner traders really, really understand at all, like yeah. 0%. So. Yeah. And, that, and that's a great point. And I heard this story a long time ago and I don't even know if it's true and I may totally botch it and screw it up, but it, it it's basically saying that the story was saying, there's a guy and he was getting his shoe shine back in, you know, the 1920s, late 1920s, right before the crash, right? 19, whatever, 29, whatever it was. And, you know, he's getting his shoe shine and the, the shoe shine boy gives him a stock tip. And that's when he realized, oh crap, there's a bubble, you know, and, and, you know, like he goes and trades and then it creates his panic and then the stock market crashes. And whether that's true or not, I think the story is where, you know, even if you look back in the housing bubble, you know, you had, 
it, you watch the movie like The Big Short, for example, and there's like strippers out there and they own like five homes and, you know, they're over leveraged and there's dentists out here doing this and doing that. And, you know, everybody's doing these flip and fix uh, projects and they have no experience in construction. And when I start seeing that in a market, it causes me to take pause, right? It's like be, be fearful when people are greedy, be greedy when people are fearful, like Warren Buffett mm-hmm. said. So what are your thoughts on that? Because recently I came across somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go to my friend's house. He's going to teach me how to do some day trading. He developed this algorithm and he's like super successful. He's making a ton of money and he's going to show me how to do the same thing. And I just cringe off that because I'm like, okay, this guy, if he did develop this algorithm where he's making a ton of money, he's probably not living in Castro, Colorado. Right. You know? I mean, no, and yeah. you can work anywhere and be successful. I'm just saying you'd probably be on wall street working for a hedge fund, um, you know, making billions of dollars. If you had this secret algorithm that just figured out how to make money flawlessly in the markets. It would be Jim Simons of Renaissance capital, wouldn't he? Sure. <laughs> right, exactly. right. That's who he would be, who has a, you know, hundred percent positive trading days during the course of the year, which is extraordinary. Um, so yeah, there, you know, there are, there are times when, those are indicative of bubbles, but you know, it's kind of like a bubble in what, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't necessarily, you know, we saw the time, um, you know, sort of the dot com crash was one where we kind of created a bubble where everybody and their mother and their grandmother and their maid and their guitar teacher had a tech stock that was making them rich. Right. You know, and that was an obvious, you know, like you look around you and be like, oh, my God, do you like standing in a bar in New York City? Literally, I've had the conversation with another experienced friend of mine saying, just listen up here. Can you hear all the people around us that are talking about tech stocks? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it was from the couple over here to the group of guys behind you to the group of girls at the, you know, at the birthday party next year. And you're like, oh, my God, this is staggering. So I think that what's different now, though is that a lot of people are displaced, you know, kind of starting from the COVID, uh, you know, COVID was like pulling the uh, pulling the tablecloth out from a kind of a set table, you know, and kind of it shook up the economy and it shook up markets and it shook up all kinds of things. And I think that a lot of those things are still shaken up in terms of like employment stability and more people trying to work from home if they can. And that lends itself to be able to do a little trading on the side. And, you know, when people are just jumping into it like that, those are the people that are probably going to get rinsed sooner rather than later, you know, without yeah. a very serious approach, without, you know, the, the idea that, you know, the, the idea of becoming a trader and wanting to be one, like be one for the, for your life that starts with surviving every single day. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it starts with understanding that like, okay, if I want to be in this for 30 years, I got to not blow myself up. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise I'm done, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I got to get refinanced or, you know, refunded. And I don't think that beginner traders even have any understanding about how to do that or that that's the idea. You know, the idea is like, okay, will you become a professional trader? Okay, what do I do when I'm not, when I'm going to about to take care of my money? First thing I do, sit and I watch for days and weeks and months until I have an idea of what the market's telling me that it's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it will give me signals and say, ah, you know, this sector, you see the sector that you've been following that goes up five consecutive weeks in a row now, there's something going on there. Yeah. I know that, you know, and so I've gone very much from an unsuccessful trader when in my youth 
of sort of having a view on the world and then putting on positions that express that view and then waiting for the world to come to agreement with what I thought. Yeah. And then, and then after losing enough money and sort of analyzing that so many times over and coming up with the conclusion, like that's the most ridiculous way to try to make money of all time. Right. You know, like literally utterly ridiculous. And so you go toward, then I pivoted toward a study of studying the markets and studying closes on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis Mm -hmm. and forcing myself to come up with a narrative within what I'm seeing. Like, you know, like what's the story, what's going on here? This is, this is rallying, what kind of streaks are happening. And once I pivoted to doing that, I became, you know, a much better, a much more successful trader. It's just a better platform to try to succeed on. Do you think it's harder to be successful, Tony, with trading as time goes on, just because there's more people that have access to trading tools? I mean, anybody could be a trader. Maybe 10, 20 years ago, it's a little bit more difficult to go, you know, get in and open up an individual brokerage account and do your own trading. Now it's like anybody could do that, right? It's very easy uh, to set that up. But then also, you know, some people say, okay, the markets are rigged. You know, you're never going to be successful. There's hedge funds out there that spend billions of dollars to run a cable, you know, a, a few hundred feet just to get, you know, a nanosecond quicker on the trades. And I mean, there's all the, all this stuff. And then couple that with like the macro economy where there's so many confusing signals out there where it's like, oh, inflation is, is really low. It's, you know, 4% and it's, it's dropping and I'm going to the grocery store and I'm like, okay, inflation here, my tortilla chips doubled in price. That's hundred percent inflation. Yeah. Um, so there, there's just like these mixed signals, the economy's doing well, but there's also issues with, you know, the, the interest rates are impacting all these sectors and segments. And so the question is, yeah, is it, is it harder to make money because there's more data, but there's, seems like there's more noise and it's just, a lot, a lot more stuff out there. Well, you kind of what you're describing is volatility, you mm-hmm. know, and um, the market's vast and and really, really big, right? I mean, everybody's got a kind of way to make money in and a way to access markets, you know. In, and I'm talking about the one within the within the people that we're talking to and and sure. about, right? The people that are in the markets, right? So, for for as a trader, you know, you kind of want the more the merrier. Right. Like yeah. I, ha- I have all the experience that I need. And if more people want to be involved in this game with less of an education, that's probably better for me. Right. That's like inviting the rookie to the poker game. Yep. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with, you know, a lot of volatility. I'm fine with, you know, w- what's good about the markets is that, you know, the computer age has really democratized information. You know, and so a lot of the platforms that you have now are almost as sophisticated as the Bloomberg that I have on my desk that I pay two thousand dollars a month for. Yeah, you know, so that that's really a great thing that's gone on in terms of leveling the playing field for more people. And just to address one thing that I kind of picked up, where I, I do, I, I have heard buzz, like you said, where people say, "Ah, the markets are rigged," and yeah. this guy's got a better, you know, a better T one line than the other guy. And it's like, I've always said that. I, 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 there was a stage that I used to think when I was much younger in the markets and I used to think markets were rigged and I've come full circle on that. And I realized that people that think markets are rigged do not know how to make money, right? Mm-hmm. That's just the way it goes, right? Because it's all, it's all out there for you to trade. You know, the SEC is over here watching, you know, it, it's whatever is going on is allowed to go on under the tenet of capitalism. Mm-hmm. And if Jim Simons at Renaissance figures out that if he puts his servers next to the ones on the stock exchange, that he can front run every order and nobody makes him shut that business down, 
that sounds like a really good business. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just the way it is. And if you don't like that, then I'm sorry, but guess what? He thought of it and you didn't, and he's not getting shut down. And so that's the way the world goes. No, and I, and I can see people using that as, as an excuse. They lose a bunch of money and instead of taking accountability or saying, hey, I have the resources, I invest in the education, I don't have the experience. Of course, they're going to say, yep, the market's rigged. You know, this is a bunch of garbage and they get out, right? How how about a beginner looking at, you know, a beginner looking at the screens in the morning before the market opens and reads that ExxonMobil just reported good earnings and puts in an order to buy ExxonMobil on the opening? Sure. Right. Without the context of maybe like there's somebody like us that's watching it and we've watched ExxonMobil run 10% into this great earnings period. And now it's gap opening higher and we're all like, sell this thing. You know, we're yeah. bullish, but that's a sale for anybody that's in the market. And meanwhile, you got Joe Retail saying, let's see, they just did better on earnings. I just bought it here. And now what happened? Ooh. Yep. Bottom okay. falls out and they're like, wait a minute, this is rigged, you know? And it's like, no, it's not rigged. You just don't know the rules or how to yeah, play, you know? Exactly. So let's talk about that here a little bit for the audience. And I want to get into the brass tacks of, okay, how do you actually get started? But before we get into that, you know, I've spent, you know, the last two decades of my life in deep study. I mean, I, I did my undergraduate in accounting and finance, did my master's in accounting, got my CPA, did my MBA worked with all these companies, read all these books, did my certifications. Like I was a nerd, you know, as it comes to learning all about accounting and finance and then in financial models, you know, I've spent thousands and thousands of hours building all different types of financial models. Like I've lived in, and spent so many years of my life in Excel. And so I have people reach out to me, Tony, quite a bit. And they ask for, you know, mentorship or ideas about this or how to get into this field or iBanking or whatever it may be. And, but I think there's this disconnect there between like putting in the work and grinding. I mean, there, you've been in this for 30 years and I guarantee you, or I, I, I assume I should say when you were working for Goldman or on these other trading desks, you're working a ton of hours, you were grinding it out. You're learning everything you could. And I mean, you're just working your butt off and you know, the same thing is true for me, but people just only see the success you know, at the end, they don't see everything that it took to get there, all the sacrifices that I made, all the sacrifices you made. And sure, we can impart that knowledge on them and help them to fast track their way to success. Like, hey, here's some mistakes that I made. Don't make the same, you know, mistakes, or here's some things you could do to just leapfrog all this garbage and just, you know, understand exactly this. Like that, that's what we do, right? But talk to yeah. the person who's listening who's thinking, hey, I want to be Tony and I want to be Tony in like three months. I'm just going to watch a few YouTubes and I'm going to be trading and making all this money in no time. Is that possible? Or is it more of a grind and more of an investment in one's education and experience? It's all about the education and experience. It's, a, it's not something that you can buy. You know, it really isn't in any way. You know, you, you, you said like, you know, you went through enormous training, like, you know, from what you went through, it sounds like you went through like Navy SEAL CEO training, right? You know, like you are absolutely equipped to be the CEO of probably any walking, talking company out there, you know, because you put in the time, you got the education and all the different moving parts and you know exactly how it works. So that's kind of, you know, that was the Navy SEAL education that I got at Goldman Sachs for six years where I was responsible to the markets and my managers for 24-7 outside of, you know, the weekends for six yeah. years. 
And our work week started on Sunday afternoon at three o'clock when we got on the phone with each other and had a game plan for the Tokyo opening on Sunday night, you know, and like, that's how intense it is. And, and it would basically, the work week went from that Sunday night through Friday's close and you were responsible for risk over the night and in the middle of the night and everything like that with all of that experience and with all of those little gun battles and knife fights and fist fights and, you know, parties that took place in that training, that's the stuff that can't be transferred. Right. So, so what you can offer people and what I do offer people through like, you know, my, my subscriber base is, um, you know, a way to try a a basic training, you know, as like kind of how to start, how to manual, if you haven't been able to go through six years of Navy SEAL training and, you know, four in the, in the uh, army Rangers before that, and 10 with the uh, air force after that, you know? And plus what I love about your business too, is, you know, even if I want to get into trading and I went and got my, my master's program in finance, like I'm not going to leave with the degree and the skills to go do that. I mean, they, they teach you some stuff in school, but like your program, that, that's what I like. It, it's, it's coming. I mean, they don't teach this stuff anywhere else. It's, it's not in school. And if you could just learn it in three months, you just have one product. I'd imagine it just be called the, the Tony's three month, uh, macro trend, uh, you know, course or whatever it is, but you know, it's this ongoing education yeah. and it's this ongoing investment in better skills and, and everything else. And I, I think that the same thing is true. Kind of side note from all this, like investing in yourself, like learning tech, learning how to read analytics, how to, you know, read financial statements, how to use AI and leverage AI and like all these developments, like I'm constantly learning this stuff to keep up on these skills and build these capabilities for the future. And I, I think it's this ongoing investment. What's your thought on that? Yeah. I, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, Steve, you hit it right on the head of, of sort of why I, I started a newsletter, you know, I'm, I'm a writer by nature. I've always journaled markets. One, one of my products was uh, as an equity salesman was an email that I wrote in the morning that organically grew to a list of 1500 subscribers. Mm. And these were just all people on the street that heard about my note and were like, Hey, put me on that note. And so I just, you know, got an audience as big as I could. Um, and then I guess my point is, when I switched over and started working for myself, I had a product that was sort of ready to go. And what I liked about it was that it's sort of got no end on it. And it describes the story, you know, it's the constant challenge. Like the market for me, isn't like, you know, go in today and try to do something. It's like, we're in it every single day. This is an endless, this is a baseball game that goes on forever. You know, this is not like a, a nine inning and it's over. And so that's, that's part of the appeal. What's, what's cool is that the market always changes. Sure. You know, what, what's driving the market always changes. The characters always change. People's opinions that have, you know, that have, that make relevant decisions change, you know, and, and so the markets always have it and the world changes around you. So the market is constantly dynamic and always growing and always changing. So once you learn how to be a student of the markets and understand that the market is a chameleon that's constantly changing its stripes and you're kind of always trying to identify what the market is now. Oh, it's being a cow now. I get that. I know how to make money on cows. Wait yeah. a minute. The world just changed here. What's going on? Oh, now it's behaving like a rabbit. Okay. Now I can adjust. I know how to make money as a rabbit. That's a different story. And so that's kind of how I look at the world. And and it very much has to do with sort of, just like you said, the, the, the never-ending story 
yep. the market. That's part of the intrigue for me is, is exactly. always having something to write about. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So that, let's talk about how to get started and, and don't give me like the generic answers. Let's just do just a quick Q and a here. I say to you, Tony, take me under your wing. Help me to become a successful trader. Step one, do I need to go out there and buy a Bloomberg terminal, invest in that? What kind of computer setup do I need to have? Like, what, what do I need to have to start from a tech standpoint? Let, let's go from there. Yeah. from So, you know, this is great. This this kind of dovetails with a class, a, a, uh, a an internship that I just taught to my son and some of his high school senior classmates over the summer. Um, I had a bunch of them in here and, and uh, you know, kind of taught them about that for asset classes of markets every day. And what I started with was, you know, you guys are going to have to find where your liquidity is. And first, first before liquidity is price comes price discovery, right? And what that is, is figuring out where on your phone you can go and have the list of securities, what they're trading and how they're performing on the day so that you can watch that. Right. Okay. That's literally the the first step is price discovery. Where do I go to look at the prices? Okay. I like right? that. Right. Yeah. Step two then is probably sort of, you know, how eventually am I going to figure out how to plug into this? Right. That's where's my liquidity. Right. That's another thing. And then the next step is probably to sit and watch. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's definitely to spend some time observing. It's to spend some time practicing. It's to spend some time, you know, really kind of understanding what makes things move in the markets and getting used to the pace of them and how how fast money can come and go. You know, that that's something that people always underestimate about the markets. And, um, you know, from there, it's just that from there, it's learning the disciplines. Yeah. Right. It's, it's learning the disciplines of understanding the, how to get out of a position when you're losing money. Right. It's very viscerally difficult. It's emotionally traumatizing for some people at the beginning. And it's like, oh, I had this idea and I was going wrong and it's not the price that I bought it at. So I maybe I want to wait till the price I bought it at comes back and not, you know, and and people don't understand that. And once I, I, I became a much better trader, once I learned how to take small losses, taking small losses for me is like dribbling a basketball and like missing a shot in warmups. Yeah. Don't care. Don't care. Right. Boom. Let's try to put that one through the net. Oh, I see what I did wrong there. I kind of had my arm a little this way, lost some money. Okay. Let's move on. Let's look at the next thing. Right. Cause my head is clear and my eyes are open. Yeah. You know, and so that people underestimate the value of that. Yeah. You know, and so if you're like being stubborn about getting out of something because if you got a, you know, a couple percent loss in it, a blah, 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 you're wasting your time, man. That's not what it's about. It. You know, it's it, it's about hunting the profitable things. And when you're in them, you'll know it. Okay. So how much money do you need to get started or would you recommend? And, and let's say, I mean, you can say any amount of money, right? But let's just say I have a hundred grand at my disposal. Would you recommend like, Hey, Steve, don't put a hundred grand in your trading account, start trading on a hundred, maybe mess around with a thousand or 5,000 or 10, or just put all hundred in and go for it. If you have it, like what, what's your thought on that? Well, for somebody that can put a hundred grand into a, an account, right? Somebody that's got that to 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 put into the account and say, okay, this can be my amount. I would say honestly, you could start with with you know, it's hard to pick a number without sounding snobby, but you can start with ten grand. Uh-huh. You know, and and one way to think about a trading account is when you put a position on in your account, if it takes up ten percent of your account, and you lose ten percent on it then you lose 1% of your capital, 
right? That that is an acceptable amount of risk to take for a beginner, right? So now what you've got in a ten thousand dollar account is you've got sort of ten bullets to shoot, right? If you think of it that way, as sort of positions that you can put on, and I wouldn't recommend that a beginner put ten on, maybe one or two, maybe even one to start. But you can say, okay, you know what? I've got $10,000 here. I'm going to risk 10% on $1,000 worth of a position. This way, if I lose that, I know that I lost 1% of my capital and I've now got $9,900 and I can come back from that. Got it. Okay. You know? And yeah. so that's that That seems like a totally reasonable, you know, more than enough money to, uh, of an account. It's, I was just going to, my answer was going to be, you know, it's up to whatever minimums the platforms will take. I don't even know what that is, but Schwab and Interactive Brokers, I'm sure you could probably open up an account with a couple thousand bucks. Right. Okay. Well, okay. That, that's good advice. Okay. So let me ask you about this. Let's shift gears here. When it comes to trading and just diversification, because people talk about diversification of your, your assets, right? Do you think trading is like, you know, 10% of your, your wealth, your portfolio, or is it, for some people, it's a hundred percent, like all their money's in trading or like, what's the balance between having a 401k and an IRA and investing in like long-term equities and then having bonds and real estate and then trading? Is it part of the puzzle? Is it something totally different? How do you look at trading in the broad spectrum of wealth management? Side of the It's going to have to be the way, you know, kind of an artist sets up his paint palette. You know, it's going to have to be now there are certainly going to be guidelines, you know, for the basics of personal investment, like something that you could get, like from from Jared Dilling's new book about personal finance. Mm-hmm. Outside, like I got to read an advanced copy of it and it's outstanding, but it's just like he's like, you know, tenants of money that you should know from the time. Like, I wish I read it when I was 20 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and then again at 30. But there's a lot to know in there and there's a lot about the basics of finance and things. Right. And yeah. so to carve to carve up that pie is too difficult to do because you don't know, you know, who has how much money and how relevant it is to their entire life, you know. So that's really hard for me. Now, I would say that it's important, you know, one thing that's super important is to start investing when you're super young, yeah. believe it or not, right? Because that's your best chances at sort of having a return in in a, in a, in a a set of monies that you don't need to be worried about, right? When you're young, you like have you can be in a high risk trader, and it's the kind of thing where, man, I wish somebody was banging that, like forcing that into my brain when I was in college and high school and had a little bit of cash. Like if I would have put just a little bit of money into the S and P, be worth a million dollars, right? Sure. That would have been useful to have, you know. So yeah. things like that are like super, super important to me. You know, kind of having the the starting point of understanding that it's more important to first invest then to save, then to stay out of debt in that kind of order from the start of forming your financial ID or your financial, you know, person or whatever you're kind of going to become, you know, and then you want to figure out, you know, based on your age, kind of how like, you know, how you want that mosaic set up, you know, how much do you want invested in a sort of long-term index fund account with sort of 60-40 portfolio of, of bonds and stocks that you would theoretically let sit there. And, you know, once you've got enough in there to, that you can call it and sort of look at a nest egg, then I would start with, you know, a shorter term trading account. Like that's kind of the last add on of, yeah. you know, risk taking, you know, it's the riskiest, it's the most liberating, it's the hardest to learn. It's, you know, that that's the, 
the be all and end all, you know, if you can get good at that, you don't have to report to anybody for a job for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. So that's, um, it's something to take into account. So that that's a separate part of, you know, your finances, then you need a place to live. You know what I mean? So that's right. kind of got to occupy, you know, a, a portion of your net worth. So the kind of, that's more of a question for a wealth advisor, I think, mm -hmm. or, or that was my best answer that I have as a trader. How about that? I like it. I mean, but basically what you're saying is that, yeah, there, it, it's a, it's an add-on to all these other things. It's not the thing. I mean, if I said to you, hey, Tony, all I have is a hundred grand. That's all in my 401k, you know, my brokerage account and my equity, my house, like all I have is a hundred grand. I'm just going to take a hundred grand. I'm just going to go all in on trading. That's not what you're saying. You're saying, look, you know, use your 401k, use index funds, you do this, do this. Trading is a piece of the overall strategy. It's not the main strategy or the main source of everything. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of maybe look at it as, uh, you know, look at it under the feudal system where, you know, if, if, if you, you know, you want to start off with a piece of land, right. And then you want to sort of gather some wealth. And then once you've got a piece of land and gather some wealth, like then you can venture off of your property and start looking for, you know, investments or more land or, or ways to expand. And that's kind of the trading account, you know, and, and, and like, I wouldn't do that until I sort of had a castle to sit on first at some level. It could, doesn't have to be castle in the true sense of the word it can be something you know completely humble and and minor but it's got to be something where when you peel out this piece of trading money yeah. a little bit like when you go to the casino and and have a limit on what you will lose sure. that's kind of what that should be you know and you know it's it's very much the same today where if i blew up my entire trading account to zero i mean i would cry like a, a child <laughs> for a long time. And then I would go out to dinner with my wife and say, man, that sucked, you yeah. know, but, but, and, okay. and get back to work. Yeah. And get back to work right here and start earning money the best I could again, you know? And so that's got, that's how it's got to be. It's got to be able to be a, a really upsetting shrug off if you lost all that money, you know, and it kind of, when you get to that point, then that that's when you're kind of more positioned to invest. Having the pressure to produce money in markets is not the way to approach markets. Sure. Unless you're working at a bank where you've got infrastructure and you've got franchise value and you know the money that the seat makes money on its own, that's a different story. But on your own, that's not the way to approach it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I like that, especially if you lose everything and your whole life's over because you know you lost it in trading, that would not be a good strategy. Okay, books. So book recommendations. What what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, to me, there's really one great one to read for traders. It's uh, Market Wizards by Jack Schwager. Really great book. It takes you through the stories of a lot of really successful, um, you know, commodity traders, really basic trading, bond traders in the pits in Chicago, like all different types of proprietary traders. It takes you through their ups and downs and how they all blew up accounts before they figured out how to be successful traders. And sort of that going through those sort of emotional rides with them is really kind of a great way to get the sort of scars without losing the money, mm. if you will. Cause you kind of read about how some of these guys approach markets and this guy had an account, you know, he barely had two nickels to rub together and he had a count of 30 grand to trade in and he blew it up to zero sure. and he got somebody else to fund him again. And he got like only another 50 grand in that account and he blew that up again. And it's like, whoa, man, how do you recover from that? You know, so it kind of teaches you a little, it kind of jars you into having some discipline in the markets when you read those stories, you know. So that was really helpful for me. 
and I would say that if there's if there's one other book to throw on the pile, I'm a technical analyst by heart and nature. My best my best method of trading is sort of, sort of pattern recognition. And there was one book that I read a long time ago called Murphy's Technical Analysis. And it's very much like a textbook, but it's something that you can kind of pick and choose chapters that you want to read and learn a lot. It's very information and skill dense the way it teaches. So that was that was a useful book to have in my repertoire. Having technical analysis abilities and the ability to see something in a chart just allows you to identify risk reward and take the emotion out of trading. That's great. That that that's what that tool is for. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Those are, are great recommendations. Thank you for those. And thanks, yeah. Tony, for being on the podcast. We got to wrap. I can't believe time's already out. This has been a great conversation. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise and your experience with the audience. Anytime, man. Thank you so much for giving me the platform, Steve. This was an outstanding conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And for everybody who's listening, if you go to byfiq.com, which stands for boosting your financial IQ. Go to the guest page. I'm going to have a guest page for Tony Greer. So look him up. I'm going to have his bio. I'll have a picture of him. I'll have his links. Everything that you need uh, to reach out to him and, and to learn more about what he's up to is going to be there on that page. So make sure you check that out to learn more about Tony. Yeah, I wanted to add, Steve, if any listeners to your podcast uh, decide to subscribe to the Morning Navigator newsletter, if they use the discount code MN, as in Morning Navigator 25, in the discount code, they'll get a 25% discount off their first year and just something to kind of give back to you guys for giving me the platform today. Nice. I love that. That's great. Yeah. What a, what a great offer there. So definitely check that out. So yeah, thank you once again for being on, Tony. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. In the meantime, keep learning ambitiously because there are a ton of opportunities out there just waiting for you to capture them, but you have to be prepared. So take care of yourself. And until next time, cheers. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.